This is a great day today. Uh, in many ways, uh, we have Christmas season in front of us, and here at Greater Grace, we really make a big deal out of Christmas time. It's a one of the best uh, Christmas or Christian feasts in the year. Uh, Christmas, the Incarnation, and then Easter being the other one. So today is special. We have our morning service, and then it's tied into the evening, which is a theater. Um, there's two theater presentations tonight inside here. I know the weather is going to be interesting today, I understand. Uh, but we have live animals outside. Uh, I think one or two live animals come inside. So that means um, there, there, I think one is a, a, two lambs. One is carried and, um, and then another one is here. And I checked out, I asked questions about the sanitation question. <laughs> so, yeah, like I think everything is covered. Well, and we're going to have a good evening, so there are some props up here, and it'll be a, a beautiful time. The text is Luke 2, with a profound message behind it, so I want to read the text to you as we begin. <clears throat> Let's first of all have a prayer. <clears throat> Lord, it is our heart's celebration. It's in our hearts to respond to you, what you have done for us, which is extraordinary, exceptional, beyond our imagination, that you would be incarnated and dwell amongst us, that we can see you, touch you, listen to you, understand you. Lord, thank you, God. All the time we celebrate this reality in our hearts, we thank you for your Holy Spirit sent into our hearts so that we can know you relate to you, Lord. Bless this day, this story, and the meaning of it to our hearts. Amen. Chapter 2, verse 1. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. So the government can work a certain way, and God uses it, and he works his way. So we have, in our case, the country, our country, we have a, a border in the south that is open, and may, may, many of us would question the wisdom of that, and at the same time, God has a plan. And people are coming to this country, and we hope we can reach them with the gospel. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his spouse's wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. 
And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass, as the angels were going away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as was told unto them. I want to use this story to highlight a couple points for us. One is the natural life. You know, we could make a line like a history, like the natural life. People like us, just people in our kitchens, in our backyard, in front of our TV, in the bedroom, in the car, with children, without children, married, unmarried, divorced, with with a little money, with a lot of money, with health, with cancer, with heartache, with an accident or a, a, a traumatic experience, whatever it might be, the natural life. We see that in this story. If we look at it just on the surface, we see this couple, poor, traveling to Bethlehem, She's pregnant. The timing of it, what happens, and then the second point, God. God, what's God doing? You can't see God, but God is there. God is in the picture. God is there. He's behind it all. And like with us, We have these two things in our lives. And unfortunately, we are oftentimes fixed on, fascinated with solving problems and living on the natural level of life. But Mary, this is the part of the story that's so important to us. But Mary knows there is the natural life But she got pregnant without a man. That was planted in her heart. She saw an angel. Uh, She knows the natural life, but something else is happening in her life. And she knows that. And so do you. Because when you are born again, you are regenerated And you have the Spirit of God in you. And God is your Father. And you cry out, Abba, Abba, Father, by the Spirit that is in you. You also have, you have the natural life, and then you have God. God is in your life. God's plan. God's words. God's Spirit. God's heart for you. And in our message a little later after the offering, when we give our message, this is the introduction, I want to talk a lot about that. Like she pondered it in her heart. Because not only did she have a pregnancy that was impossible, but she had shepherds that came. And in a short time, wise men will come from the east. 
And soon, eight days from the birth, they'll go to the temple five miles away with the baby. And Simeon and Anna will be in the temple, and they will both prophesy. You have actually seven categories of people, of different categories. Wise men, and you have shepherds, the poor, the powerful. You have Anna and Simeon. You have Elizabeth. You have um, her husband, Zacchaeus. And you have Joseph and Mary. And what we can rejoice in, the world is going on right now with a lot of power and a lot of influence, a lot of direction. And we see it, and it's natural. But we have been blessed immeasurably with another line, another story, another understanding, another reality, the reality that will never pass away. We have, how do I live in that? How do I relate to it? How do I live so that I can ponder it in my heart, that I am part of something that is eternal? How do I do that? How does that happen? And what is it that resists it? Okay. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. This word pondered, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I have here the word in the Greek meaning to throw together, to bring together, to converse, to bring together in one's mind, confer with oneself, to come together, meet. You know, the word pondering mentally, you think of somebody meditating by themselves. So this commentary, the Virgin Mary made them the matter of her private meditation. She said little, but kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She laid the evidences together and kept them in reserve to be compared with the discoveries that should afterwards be made. As she silently left it to God to clear up her virtue when that was suspected, so she silently leaves it to him to publish her honor now when it was veiled. And it is satisfaction enough to find that if no one else takes notice of the birth of her child, angels do. Note, the truths of Christ are worth keeping, and the way to keep them is safe, is to ponder them. Meditation is the best help to memory. So when, when we have the natural life and the direction of it and the power and the influence of it, we also have God's grace given to us so that we can ponder meditate, put together what, what we see in our walk of faith. When I first became a believer, I was really interested in miracles. Like, do they really happen? And I, I got a pile of magazines that were stories of miracles, and I read them and thought about it, but I was like in a lot of unbelief. But it was a seed sown in my heart. Because I was going to a church, but I didn't hear the word of God that much. I heard messages, but I didn't hear the word of God. And then when I, I came to this church, I started to hear the word of God. And that, that's what changed my life. Well, salvation changed my life, and then to grow in it. And, and this is the primary work that we have in the body of Christ, is that two things, that we would have meditation that isn't on the natural, it is meditation of God and his 
thoughts or his words. Uh, turn with me to Second Timothy 3, and we see this written. <clears throat> and um, the context is that Paul is writing his last epistle to his uh, colleague, Timothy, who is his disciple, and he knows that Timothy really needs help as he keeps the Christian faith uh, pure or the Christian faith understood. The Christian faith would, from the Holy Spirit, through the gifted men, through these centuries, we would have the apostolic faith or understanding reality, understanding how to live, how to, how to think. So verse 15, chapter 3, verse 15, and that from a child, he's speaking to Timothy, that you have known the Holy Scriptures. And I want to emphasize that more than anything this morning, the Scriptures, the Bible. And I want to give you a couple of tips on how to read the Bible. And you are, to, you are, you, I encourage you have to. It's like Mary got a piece and thought and understood and put them together in her mind. And she understood that God was doing this. That this is, when did she realize this is the Messiah? We don't know. But anyway, she's getting. Uh, she's she's on the right road, and so are you. You're on a road of faith, and the Spirit is the teacher, and the Scriptures are a big part of it. So verse 15, that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. By the word, I understand that that word child is not a toddler, not a toddler, but an infant. What's the difference? Two years, two years, there you, you have a toddler under one or two years before they walk. Before they walk, that's the word here for Timothy. When you were, even before you walked, your grandmother and your mother, we read it, you know, Eunice and, and his mother and grandmother taught him the scripture. So he was half Greek and half Jewish guy, Timothy, and that he had learned the scriptures from his mother and grandmother. Which, what do the scriptures do? They are able to make you wise unto salvation. And this is a very profound thought, that the modern world is wise on so many areas of knowledge and information but ignorant when it comes to salvation. And that's a doctorate in chemistry, a doctorate in astrophysics, a doctorate degree in this or that, or skilled in agriculture or raising horses or um, doing mathematics or any number of things. Very capable, smart people don't know anything about salvation. Why? They don't know the scripture. How, why don't you know the scripture? Because I just don't know it. I'm not interested in it. I don't think about it. I don't study it. I never read the Bible. Oh, and then you meet people who say, I've read the Bible, you know. And that, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> I read the Bible three times. I read the Bible, but it's like, this, is, this isn't what we're talking about. This is something really real. Just like Mary is putting it together in her mind, so the Christian is actually understanding and he's learning. Now there's four words. I would write them up on the, on the screen, but we can't because we have a theater tonight, so we don't have that capacity, but I, you, you can remember them. They are, I read the Bible, four words. When I read the Bible, I read the Bible slowly. Now, 
Let me show it, show it to you for a second. I, I, I can start anywhere in the Bible and start reading. When I read, I read slowly. I'd like to know context. Who is, it, who is writing it? What is he saying? Who is he writing it to? Why is he writing? I'd like to know something about that. When I read a word, I, I may stop and think. I go real slow, very slow, and I'm very concentrated on it, prayerfully. Before, maybe you do it different ways, but I'm just saying this because I would like to have a church that's reading the Bible, not just here Sunday morning, but I would like you to be reading the Bible because this is how you have to live in this world. This is a natural world, and there's something else that is happening here that God wants you to know about. And walk, and you are walking with God. God is with you. God answers prayers. God helps you. God uh, delivers you in temptation. God speaks to your heart. God reveals something to you from the Holy Spirit. God encourages you. So reading the Bible slowly, okay? Take time. I mean, I don't know what that means to you today, taking time. I don't know what that means in your lifestyle. But we, as we know, we could say a lot about that, but... We're very busy people. We're preoccupied with millions of things. We got a lot of things in our hearts, a lot of things in our imaginations. And then when we're told, by the way, God, hey, where's God? Hey, wait, hold it. God, are you there? God, I never believed this could happen to me. What happened? Okay, that's fine that you cry out to God. That's true, and we should. But there's more to life than a crisis and a prayer. There's more to life than embarrassment. Now, Mary could have been embarrassed about what was happening, but she was able to process it, ponder it in her heart. Let God, I I will walk with God. God will vindicate if that's to be. I'm not eager for that. I'm not hungry for that. That may happen one day that they will know that I was a virgin and this is a miracle and this is the Christ. But right now, I have, it's okay. I've I've got something going on in my mind and in my heart that deals with angels and what shepherds are saying and wise men and the birth of the baby and the prophets and what they are saying. So where does she get this? Where do you get it from? It's from the Bible, the Scripture. That's where it comes from. It comes from the Bible. Be very patient. Number two, word word is slowly. Number two, imaginatively. Imagining yourself in the story. Imagining yourself in the text. Imagine yourself in what he is saying, that God is saying to us. You know, one of the things in the back of my mind that I always like to turn to and read is the kings, the kings of Israel and the kings of of, uh, Judah, because they are bad. They're basically bad kings, okay? I mean, really, they're bad guys. Why are they rich? Why did God write them? So that I could reflect on them. I could imagine myself in there. I can see myself in the story. When Isaiah goes into the temple and he's proud and his heart is lifted up in Second Chronicles 26, I, I go there and I sit there. I'm there for months and years. I'm there for months and years. It isn't like I know it. It's like I imagine myself in that story, that God wrote that story for me, that he may help me, that I might see it, I might understand it. Because here's a side point, sidebar. 
In the natural world, a lot of people have a hard time with self-reflection. They have a hard time with thinking about themselves until it hits them. It hits them later in life. Man, I messed up. How'd I get here? Or I live my life in vain. Or I never did what I really felt I should have done. I I never corrected myself back here. It's like um, in the medical world, sometimes somebody with gangrene comes into the um, emergency room with a black foot with um, uh, gangrene from diabetes. And the doctors say, like, did you have any idea that you should have come in here earlier? Like, this is it. We, we have to take your foot off. But did you have any idea? So I think of, of people in the natural world, they just go on in their ways and do not stop. They don't stop and say, I need help. Mary, Mary, it was put on her. She didn't have to do that. She was kind of forced into, forced into asking questions and thinking about what is going on in my life. And she, she understood it because the Holy Spirit is faithful to show us. Um, the third word, so we have slowly, and then in my imagination, I am putting, I am reading the scripture, and thinking about what is it saying. And then the third word is, I'm reading the Bible prayerfully. Prayerfully, like open. Yes, Lord. Does this apply to me? The Lord says, read it. And, and what am I saying? And I'm, I'm saying I'm hearing you. Amen, Lord. I accept it. I am corrected. Thank you, Lord. You've spoken to me. I accept it. I believe it. I accept it. You, I know you don't condemn me. Romans 8, 1, you don't, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But I'm not living in condemnation. I'm just letting God deal with my heart. God, speak to me about life. God, make me fruitful. Help me learn what this thing is that's happening in my life. Because I can't see it. I don't know it. If you leave me to myself, I will never find it. If you leave me to myself, I will just go my way and live my life, and that's, the, that's, that's all there is. And God in heaven is saying, that is not all there is. Precious is every soul, and more valuable than the whole world is a soul. And you are losing your soul you losing your soul when your soul has has such great value but you cannot hear me you do not hear me you are not listening you're not caring you're not caring you're not awake you don't realize it and so how do we realize it let's look at the verse and read for the The continuity here, it says, verse 15, the scriptures makes us wise unto salvation. They do. They make us wise unto the what's really going on. Makes us wise regarding the plan. Makes us wise regarding forgiveness, forgive, the justification by faith, makes us wise so that we can share a message with people. Have a message. You know, one of our dear friends went home to be with the Lord two days ago, Pastor Dennis Goff. 
And he and I were really good friends. We lived in Finland together for years. And um, and he would share the gospel. He was always doing that, sharing the gospel. And he um, was in Florida and was hit by a car and killed. Uh, and it touches our hearts very much because of the kind of person he was and how gentle and kind he was. But he he was a servant, a servant of God, and realizing that that um, what salvation is, and he would share the message with waitresses and waiters, and on a train or on a bus or everywhere he went, he would share the message because it makes us wise about salvation. Do you know about salvation? You can say it to somebody. Do you know about it? May I explain it to you? I'd like you to know about it. You can be saved and forgiven and born again. I'd like you to know this. and I, I, I understand it, and I have it in my heart. I want to share it with you. I'd like you to know about Jesus Christ. We were just in Central Asia, and, uh, and no, another one, another one. I, I met new believers, and, and it was... I'm like so encouraged. Like, what happened to you? Oh, I accepted Jesus in my heart. I'm so excited about it. I am so stirred up. I'm, I'm so fired up. It's great when a Christian is like that. Like they, they are, are touched by God and they're walking in, in their faith like that. That's amazing. This is how it happens. Verse 16. All scripture, and again, the scripture is given by inspiration of God. Meaning every, every part of this book, not only, now this is an English translation, but the original Hebrew and Greek, they have these, uh, the letters, like the alphabet, they have these uh, accent marks and so on. They're called jots and tittles. And Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. But the, my word will never pass. Not even a jot or a tittle will pass away. So there is that scripture that is, that is perfect. And of course, we don't have that. They're called autographs. We have manuscripts and copies. And there are errors in different ways, small degrees. But always, we, we, it's reconfirmed with the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's reconfirmed over and over again that this is a reliable text. We have the Bible. We have the Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but none of my word. Well, what about what, the alphabet? None of the letters of the alphabet. Not the words. Not the ideas, the concepts. The precepts will not pass away. The reality, when God said, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, that's the word of God, and that's what happened, and that scripture will never pass away, nor will this that we're reading today. So what does it mean to us? He breathed it, and Isaiah prophesied, and Jeremiah, he breathed it, and they had the mind of Christ, they wrote, they selected the words and they wrote the scripture. It's a, another message, but I just want to touch on it and make sure you understand. This is the Bible. This is the scripture. And what does it do? Verse 16. It is profitable. It is useful. It affects people. It changes things. It cleans us. What does it do? It delivers us in our temptations. It builds us up in the inner man. It is spiritual. It is helping us live a natural life where we live our life in our kitchens and, and bathrooms and, and backyards and cellars and attics and at the work and cafeteria and the pool and when you're old and when you're young, when you're sick and when you're healthy, it's the word that is put together in your heart and mind because you are reading it slowly, 
putting your your imagining yourself in it in understanding that you are prayerfully reading the word of god and then the fourth and last word is you obey it you are obedient to it you are submitted to it you are sub- subject to it. it's higher than me you see, in a short word, some of you don't know the history of theology so much, and I don't either, but I want to tell you something very important. When man gets too smart for his own britches, and he looks at the Bible, and he analyzes it, and he talks about the, the style of the Deuteronomy, and in this part Moses wrote it, and in this part he didn't, and he talks like that, that's called higher criticism, in theology, it was very popular in the end of the 19th century and into the 20th century. Very popular, and they gave birth to a whole school of theology called neo-orthodoxy, and it gives man the right to analyze the scripture and the text and decide, actually, which part is from God and which isn't. Okay, this is a huge error. So we're, we're, who, is, who, are lose, who in the world of Christianity in the United States of America and Western Europe, who loses people out of the congregations? People leave the congregations that are neo-Orthodox. Why? Because there's no message. Just a man telling you what, what it is that's true, and then how would it apply if they even do that good of a job? I'm just generally talking here. But I'm, I'm just telling you, people leave churches because there's no Bible message. There's no Bible message. Now, here's the contrary. The man of God has the Bible here, like this, above him. And he says, you speak. To me, I am your servant. What do you say? And he says, homosexuality is sinful. Does God say that? Does he say it? Yes, he says it. So it's up to you where you put it and how you relate to it. If adultery is a sin and lying is a sin, and I have a deceitful heart, and, you know, we call things by different names, by the way, because we have a sin nature. And we call, we say, we're, the Bible would say, God, if I came before God and God said, you are covetous, you are covetous, you are desiring wealth, you are after things, you are desiring money, and you are after this, that's like God talking to me. But I would say in the natural plot, I am business-minded, I am diligent, I am frugal, I am disciplined, and I am a good businessman. And the Lord said, no, you, no, no. You are covetous. You are sinful. You are covenant. How about this? I fall in love with somebody, and I call it love. And God said, that's not love. I'm talking to you. God, God is talking to me. God is talking to me, and I'm talking to you. And I'm telling you how I live. And I'm telling you that Mary had this in her life. I'm using that story to say there's a natural level, and then Mary was pondering. Was she proud? Was she complaining to God? About her, was she crying out, justify me, vindicate me, it's not fair what happened to me? By the way, I don't like living in a dumpy place with a poor husband and riding on a donkey and, <laughs> and whatever else. You know, I got a lot to say in the bedroom and in the backyard and in the car. I've got a lot to say. That's how we live. And I'm saying to you when, and myself, from my heart, God has a way for you, and it's not the way of the world. 
It's a different way. And you have to. You have to discover the Scripture. Because it's only the Scripture that will correct you. Look at the verse, and we're going to finish. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine. So we have teaching, didaskalia, the Greek word. We have didache, another word for it. It's like categorical teaching. It's just the teaching of the scripture. It's the doctrines that I need. I need it as a foundation for my life. We were at Lee's mom passed away. Barbara, who was such a precious woman, and we were at the cemetery. Saw a small group of us yesterday, and and it just again and again, again and again. It's just incredible that there is death and sorrow. It's incredible that people die, and we're going to have a lot of that in the next ten years. A lot of us are going. A lot of it. Death. Yeah. A lot of us. So, how can you handle that? This way. I'm, te- I'm teaching you today. You read the scripture. But you don't just read it like, like oh, you know, I got a problem. I need to, you know, like a self-help book or something. I got a problem. I got to find the scriptures for it, you know. Like, I don't have peace, so I'm going to go find the verses on peace and, and so on. You can do that. That's okay in a way. I'm not ridiculing anybody. Whatever you do, do it. Go read the Bible. Read the Bible. That's what I'm saying. But I'm also saying something else. That this is a, this is a very real organic impartation, spiritual impartation of thought and heart to us, it, long before there are problems, long before you go to the grave, long before you're on a deathbed, you already have been living in a deathbed, a deathbed to yourself, where I'm willing, Lord, I'm living in the natural, but I'm surrendering myself to you as a way of life. Guide me in the way that I should go. Teach me. Tell me whatever you say. Whatever, whether I like it or not, doesn't matter. I'm submitted to you. I'm at the cross. I've died to my self-life. I'm surrendered to you. Whatever you have to say, I am your servant. I don't have an opinion about it. I want to know what God is saying, what is in his heart, how he corrects me. Look at the next words. These are very tough for modern-day Americans. Like, what right do you have to say this or that? It's like... Whatever, like if you really want God, and let's face it, it's God. That's the thing. I want God. Who cares about our opinions? I want to hear from God. And what will happen here is three words, reproof, and I have a definition here, that thing which is proved or tested, conviction, it's, it produces conviction. You're not moved by the tide of the age or the waves of public opinion. Or You have conviction. You are grounded. You are grounded. You have reproof, correction. It means restoration to a to an upright or right state, correction, improvement of life or character. And um, I've, I've used the, like very serious corrections, huge correction, huge. Like an airplane flying 600 miles an hour is off one degree. We better fix that right now. Guys, we're going fast, and we're going to be hundreds of miles off our target within a few minutes. So we need to be... Corrected. Uh, driving a car, I'm corrected all the time. My mirrors, my gas, my speedometer, everything. I'm always corrected in driving a car. 
How about living my life? I want correction. I want people. I want the words. I want the spirit to make me uneasy. Lord, make me uneasy. If it's not right, like reprove me, correct me, make me uneasy. I roll back and forth at night in bed, you know, or whatever it might be. Or three weeks later, it's just I don't feel good about this. I need to pray about it and bring it before the Lord and see what he says. The last word there is instruction in righteousness. This is the word for the whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs for this purpose now commands and admonitions, now reproof and punishment. It also includes the training and care of the body, the instruction. Whatever in adults also cultivates the soul, especially by correcting mistakes and curbing passions. Instruction which aims at increasing virtue, chastisement, and chastening. What will happen is the next part of the verse. The man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It means he's equipped. means he's complete, furnished perfectly to finish, accomplish. It's a great way to live. I don't think of myself in very high regard regarding, like, living life. I, I, I can't believe that I can do it. I can't. I, don't believe, I can't believe that I have a marriage for many years together and, um, and all these things that happen in life and by God's grace. And don't compare, but I'm just trying to say, I, I, the only thing I think I can actually boast in is that the Lord has helped me, has touched me, has answered, has, has helped me a lot. That the Lord has made it possible to have friends like you, sisters and brothers. And truth is important in our hearts. Why? Why? It's because we did the natural, and then we just something happened. We stopped, and we got real close, prayerfully, before the Lord with this book. And started to read it. And I'd like you to read this page, and read this page, and read this one, and compare them. And then read these, this, this part, and that verse, and do it every day, little by little. And it will speak to you. And it will produce in you, prepare you to be equipped unto all good works. And I hope you don't hear in my voice self-righteousness. I, not at all. There's no self-righteousness in this at all. It's the same principle for all of us. It's universal all through time. There have been men and women who have found Jesus and walked with him closely, closely with all their hearts, closely. When, they, when it was a good business, it was in my heart covetousness. When it was love, it was in my heart lust. When it, when it was um, intelligent and reasonable, behind it was pride. And the Lord, the Lord speaks to you about this, and that's good. And you say, yes, Lord, I, I want to do the right thing. Help me, lead me, and I will obey you. Now, when you start obeying him and walking like this, we're not perfect. We're not perfect, but if something starts to take traction, if something starts to heart, happen in your heart and mind, you start to understand things and enjoy it. And I wish I had, if I had my iPod, I'd write a big, a bigger pleasure. Pleasure, it's a great word. We've got to define it someday. Because people have pleasure in very lurid things, very low-level pleasure. Then there's like high category of pleasure that happens in your heart because Jesus Christ is the most pleasurable person produces the greatest pleasure in your heart. Jesus Christ, in hearing him and trusting him and walking with him, you have the greatest joy, 
greatest pleasure, greatest sense of wisdom and direction and meaning in life, then on your deathbed, you actually say, man, I'm done, you know, I'm done. I guess it's the Lord's time to take me. But you're able to say, man, that was quite a ride. That was awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, uh, we just are wanting you to do business with us, and we want to be before you through the finished work. We're all accepted, every one of us. We're all accepted. Just bring all your baggage to the cross. Bring everything about you before God. He will not turn you away. You are accepted before him. Everything. Don't hide a thing. Bring it all before him. As a way of life. And if you can't handle truth, you can tell him. God, I can't handle the truth. I can't handle it. And the Lord will say, I'll deal with that. Trust, trust me. I'll fill you with the spirit. If you want, if you want truth, I give it to you. And I will show you. And I will give you great joy better than anything in the world. My peace better than the world's peace. I'll give it to you. Because I am your God. And walk before me. Do justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly. Yeah. And then anyone listening who's not a believer yet, the invitation is to you from God, the holy God. The awesome God, the living God. And he says, come to me. Take my yoke. Take my burden. It's easy and light. I take away your sin. I give you a new name. I call you by name. I save you by my grace. By my blood, I wash your sins away forever and ever and ever they are gone forever and ever. How do you get this? You say to God, I, I trust you today, on this day, December 10th, this day, I trust you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.